in the black community in particular, the home ownership rates and since the Great Recession have moved backwards several percentage points. And it's increased in other communities quite significantly, up to 10 percentage points. And we find ourselves today in a place where the home ownership rates in the black community today are what they were when President Johnson signed the Fair Housing Act in 1968. So we know that you know home ownership is an important part of the wealth building journey and the intergenerational wealth building journey. Welcome to the Next Gen Banker podcast, where we explore what's next in banking and talk with the innovators responsible for creating positive change in the financial sector. I am your host, David Ryling, and I am very excited today to welcome Wole Coxum uh, to the show. Wole, great to be with you today. Thanks for being on the Next Gen Banker podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, Wole, for our audience, we'll give a little background uh, because I, I like your story and I'm sure there's more here, but you're the CEO and founder for Mobility Capital Finance, or what's known as Mocafi, a financial technology company working to provide resources and tools for Black and Latinx communities to close the wealth gap. Previously served as managing director of J.P. Morgan Chase, uh, where you held many leadership positions in business banking, card services, treasury, and security services. Um, and you were also an executive at Willers Towers Watson um, in the North American division. So, Wole, I got to ask you, many years in the corporate finance world at J.P. Morgan, so you're going from the big corporate to being a social entrepreneur one day. Uh, how does that happen? Where's the why? What sparked that decision? <laughs> Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, it was really um, comes from a couple places. First, I had the great pleasure of growing up in a household of entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, as we all have family influences in terms of thinking about the world and spent a lot of time as a young person thinking about how do you build organizations that can have real change and spending time talking to my family about what, why do some organizations last and others don't, and particularly in the black community. So that's a little bit of a background. And then I fell into finance uh, out of school and uh, loved it and learned from just terrific leaders in terms of how financial services can change the lives of individuals, communities, and countries. And so I ended up um, following that path, as you just described, for many years. And then I had my uh, George Floyd moment after the death of Michael Brown. And I was just so struck in that moment in 2014 around the imagery that I saw in Ferguson, communities were just in a lot of pain. And the pain in those communities was really based on um, a social justice issue. But I also thought it was an economic issue because you know, without access to opportunity, without access to resource, it's really hard to move your community forward. So I thought I am, the social justice agenda in the black community is quite strong. The economic justice agenda is an area that could use some help. And I thought I would use my time and talents to, to move it along in that way. And so that's how I decided to move off corporate ladder and move into uh, the, uh, the entrepreneurial space. And it's been a, a great ride ever. Um, you know, I just have to smile as you make that, that transition and the crazy that is the entrepreneurial world. Is there is there anything that uh, really kind of shocked you from making that transition? Is there any one thing as you, as you sit there, you're like, wow, I never knew entrepreneurs did this? You know, I don't know if I was shocked. I mean, I was expecting you realize, you know, you move from a big platform to a small platform where you're just making it up uh, as you go along from whole cloth. I expected that. What I didn't fully expect 
was uh, a phrase that, that I got from the book, The Alchemist. And the gist of it is, you know, the whole, when you put something out there, the world conspires to help you make it happen. And I guess the biggest thing that I learned in my, in my journey so far is, you know, going out and trying to uh, accomplish this mission and, and build this company, people came out and said, you know, how can I be helpful? And where can I uh, play? Or is there an introduction I can make? Or is there an investment I can make? And I wasn't expecting that, quite frankly. And it really uh, has been a, 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 a joy, quite frankly, to see all that come together and supporting what we're trying to build at Mocha Park. Yeah, that is that is very cool. Uh, there is good in the world. There is hope, isn't there? So I have to uh, take you down a little path because tackling the problem uh, from a mission standpoint of addressing that that wealth gap, there's a lot to that. And just kind of want to do that flyby of what are those challenges, opportunities, and, and strengths of Mocafy that you see kind of bringing to the table? And, and let's start with what are those biggest challenges that you think you have to overcome uh, in regards to addressing and serving the, the racial wealth gap? That's a, it's a, you know, a large, large measure. It's because of the bar partnership with Sunrise Banks that we're able to come up with products and services that allow us to do this. I think we've spent the first couple of years of the company trying to figure out how do you get to large numbers of people at scale? Because the communities are, um, they're not monolithic. They have um, different points in terms of connectivity and how are we able to do it in a world where the days of spending money on Google AdWords and the days of spending money on Facebook uh, posts is not over, but there's not a lot of appetite for those kinds of investments. And so getting to the consumer, and then we figured out this idea of financial services as infrastructure, working with cities, working with counties, working with states, and hopefully working with the federal government over time, who their mission is they're serving those, these individuals that we want to serve. And what we figured out is we can help them become much more efficient in terms of getting dollars and resources to that community. And that gives us an opportunity to market our products and services to them. So that um, was the big hurdle. And we're proud to say that we think we've at least come up with one framework to address it, that we can do it at scale and at a low cost. Yeah, I, I I would just commend you in terms of harnessing that opportunity and looking at it from the scale standpoint. It's one of the things that I see that you've done that others sometimes they just don't understand. And that is, you know, you can't think about this in terms of a hundred or a thousand people. This is a ten thousand. This is millions of people that we want to help. Scale has got to make the difference in terms of making change and, and really addressing the the root part of the issue. Um, there's, in my opinion, there's a secret sauce in Mochafy. Um, I feel it. I touch it every time I talk to you, as well as any one of your team members. Uh, there's a spirit and energy there. Uh, what would you say the strength is of, of Mochafy? Because you you're on fire, in my opinion, in terms of uh, of really going after it. I, I greatly appreciate that. I think you know part of this the the what's so exciting is people have a chance at Mochafy to bring their entire selves to work when we really encourage authenticity in, in that regard. We also, people are working towards helping other people. And I think um, they, there's real satisfaction in terms of being able to wake up every day and knowing that you're helping other people move forward. Um, and then I think the third piece is really around an ethos that says we are a company that can do this in a sustainable way and we were trying to do it 
where we're building a sustainable business model that can outlast me and outlast other people. And, and, and that's really exciting because you're able to work on something greater than yourself. And um, I think the team embraces that and really relishes in that as part of our culture. Yeah, that is awesome. And and I, I can uh, see it and feel it in, in how you bring products to market and services and, and, and how you connect. So let's touch a little bit on on the fintech space, because obviously a big part of where I'll say banking is going and financial services are going, but it it seems to be a piece of the puzzle in terms of creating equity that wasn't there before. Can you speak a little bit to how you as a financial technology firm um, are really kind of tapping into that, the power of technology and, and expanding to get to that scale you're looking for? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I, we, I think of, um, you know, some, uh, I ran several treasury services sales teams when I was at Chase, um, large corporate up in the market. And treasury services is the business, as you know, that helps companies and governments move money efficiently and optimize that. And we bring the same uh, idea to Mocafi and that we're trying to use technology to help two sides of the coin. One side is the underlying consumer who is, and we're able to build products that address their needs, right? We've, we've eliminated the idea of financial deserts by turning retail stores where people are into bank branches. We've enabled it in such a way that we can open accounts for individuals who may not have an ITIN or may not have a social security number. We've been, we've created mechanisms. We don't check the check system. So your, your past is not the determinant of your future in terms of access to banking. And so that's using technology in an innovative way to help meet, meet people where they are. At the same time, we're able to take the efficiency of, of technology to municipalities and to the government sector and say, hey, and it became really clear in COVID, you know, checks um, going to people who don't have bank accounts is not the most efficient way to get large amounts of money to people. <laughs> and giving somebody a gift card and hoping that they're able to really move themselves forward isn't the most effective way to do it. And so we've brought the tools that we have at our disposal to help the cities and other places become much more efficient, bring down their cost, improve their quality of service. And it's one of those instances where everybody wins, but that's all facilitated because of the technology. Yeah, it, it is really that spark and in, in uh, maybe overused phrase, but the win-win that happens there it is synergistic. Um, my guess is that if you can do this for one municipality, you can do it for another. You can do it for a city, a school district, a water district. You can begin to reach the the pockets and, and purses, if you will, of the people you're trying to get to that certainly aren't going to walk into a bank. But the fact is, is you can meet them where they are, either on the job or through that service that they're getting. And it, and it you really, you said this before, this is not a monolithic group. So you got to meet them at that place. And, and that's where I think you're really leveraging that technology to make impact. 100%. You got to meet them and then put people on a path. And what, I'm, what we're really banking on mm -hmm. is once you put them on a path to digital services and responsible digital services, we can put them on a path to responsible credit uh, and 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 products of that nature that will also reduce their cost and allow them to to use financial services to move them for themselves forward and build wealth in their communities. 
Definitely. And I think one of those steps that um, I, I've seen recently with, with Mochafy is the introduction of looking at home ownership. And I think you have a, a partnership with Rocket Mortgage in terms of that connection. Again, you may start out in one spot, but then you're going to the home ownership. How's that working out? Yeah, so it's working out well. We're getting great feedback. We just launched last month. We call it the Blueprint. And the Blueprint is one of these neat tools that allows you to bring, uh, download the Blueprint app and start to build your own personal budget to build your overall balance sheet so you can see on a real-time basis what your personal balance sheet is. You can link all your accounts, your Mochafy account or another account, and all that information is constant being updated so you get real-time visibility. At the same time, you can see your credit score and you can see how that's improving over time and what you need to do. And you can rent, you can take your rent and report it on our platform and that'll impact your scores for giving you tools to do that. And there's a whole financial literacy piece to it as well. When someone decides, hey, I wonder if I'm ready to buy a home, they can hit a button and say readiness. And that will then take all the information that's in their blueprint and then say, oh, you know what? You are ready. Your credit score meets this. Your amount of um, your debt to equity ratio is this. Your income is this. And then we can take all that and make that information visible to one of our partners and they can make a loan. And we wouldn't make it visible to the partner unless we know that individual qualifies. So it becomes a very nice mosaic, if you will, in terms of the customer experience, which takes away from people applying for something, not knowing if they're going to get it. And being sort of unsure, we take all that out. And we've, we've had some good success so far early days, but we like the way we're um, where we're headed. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. And from the standpoint of the the access to it and people really understanding, hey, here's where I am in the process. That's usually the biggest mystery. And if they don't get a yes right away, they're like, well, I don't know what else to do. You know, it's just it defeats the hope in the process and, and, and in their spirit. Um, but then as you make that more transparent, you make the process more convenient. Obviously, you're pulling in data in, in places that didn't have it before to positively impact that credit bureau, make them uh, help them through that process. So by the time that package gets delivered, you know, they, their probability of success is high. And that is really good for everyone, particularly in a mortgage, which is, you know, it's usually how do we whack the stack of, of the foot of paper that we have to produce. So um, I commend you for that. That is really in, in looking at the communities that you're serving. Um, gosh, that home ownership piece is such a strength uh, in terms of not only wealth building, but community building. So, yeah, really cool. Well, just one thing, David, just to your point, it's really interesting the, the in the black community in particular, the home ownership rates and since the Great Recession have moved backwards several percentage points. And it's increased in other communities quite significantly, up to 10 percentage points. And we find ourselves today in a place where the home ownership rates in the black community today are what they were when President Johnson signed the Fair Housing Act in 1968. So we know that you know home ownership is an important part of the wealth building journey and the intergenerational wealth building journey. And so we just want to do what we can to help move people forward to address some of these uh, this gap that's 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 too, much too wide. Yeah, definitely. So I have to ask because just having that entrepreneurial mindset myself, what's next on the on the agenda for Mochafy? What what's the next trick in the in the sleeve? I love it. <laughs> just keep executing. Got it. <laughs> you just you just keep executing. I think one of the things, you know, we're in the middle of a fundraise, and um, you know, the markets are speaking to us in terms of 
what they like about the strategy, where they think we can do better, and where we should, um, you know, continue to do more of. And what uh, uh, really gets investors excited is good execution. So yeah, I've got lots of ideas, and um, but at the same time, we've got a community to serve. I've got um, uh, a team to take care of. I've got uh, investors to demonstrate that you can make investments in communities and not have to have extractive pricing, but you can really leave something that's um, better than when you found it in a way that's sustainable in a commercial way. So so that's right now the big thing. I wish I had a better answer for you, but that's, that's okay. where it's at at the moment. That th- This is groundbreaking. Your leadership in this area is so important to the next Wole that's going to come along. It, it's the inspiration that you can do this. It can be sustainable. Uh, we need more black businesses um, and, and they need to see the success. And, and we all do. And it's all inspirational. And so um, uh, I, I appreciate your effort in that. I, you say that so eloquently, but balancing all those balls between investors and execution and people growing and, and regulations and all the rest of it is is a juggling act like there's you can hardly realize uh, in terms of trying to keep the, the bunnies in the box there. But um so right but that's what you signed up for when you decide to become yeah. an entrepreneur you gotta you know it's, it's i think i might add juggler to my uh to my business card and my title absolutely so well i got one last question for you and this is it really comes down to somewhat of the purpose of this podcast and that is you had worked at, at jp morgan i had worked at city i know there's really good people that work in banks across the country and across the world and maybe uh this is my my fishing expedition to try to lure them out of the big and into the social entrepreneur or into the space of uh, what can a bank do for good. So when you think about the the banker of the future, uh, what do you think the next gen banker looks like? That's a great question. I think the next gen banker, I think you need, you need people in the large institutions like JP Morgan and city um, because they play a critical role in the economy and moving um, communities forward. You need some folks to leave those places because, as you know, you can't start a technology, a fintech company, if you don't have any banking experience. And I think it's a strong case for diversity at the larger traditional banks because, A, you just run better businesses when you have more diversity. And that diversity then leads to future entrepreneurs who can build off of their experiences there. And I think that the, the future banker is one that is diverse, continues to be diverse because our banking industry needs to reflect the mosaic and diversity of our country. Second, it's got to really, an individual has got to appreciate technology and how to use technology in ways that are innovative like we're talking about here. And the third, I think it really is someone who has to be uh, empathetic uh, to the communities that they serve and not lose sight of the fact that what we do every day from a banking perspective is helping people get homes and helping people put food on the table and helping people through difficult times that they can't um, anticipate. And we all find ourselves in in, in a moment where we have a, a, a need for a helping hand and, and we in financial services can play an important role in that. And and an idea, and being empathetic, we've got to leave communities better than we found them. So I hope that you know those are some of the characteristics that we'll see in the bankers of the future. And I've been interacting with a lot of young people lately, and I'm 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 very confident that, that those folks are out there, and they're going to uh, carry our work forward. 
Yeah, that's fantastic. It um, uh, we sometimes lose sight of that that real economy of hey, you know that that feeling that you get when you buy your first home or your first car, that first move forward is huge for people, and so there's great benefit and joy in in doing that work, and so. Well, Wole, thank you for, for joining me today. Uh, so happy to partner with you. It's always great to be with you and uh, hear your perspectives on things. Appreciate your time today. It's my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It's a privilege. For this episode's musical feature, we're showcasing Clouds Echo and Blue. Clouds Echo and Blue is the newest creative offering from the choir's Derry Daughtry. Clouds Echo and Blue creates ambient electric guitar driven music that showcases delicate and sparse soundscapes, as well as coursing melodic songs that drive with whimsical passion. Here is Long Forgotten from Clouds Echo and Blue. Long Forgotten by Clouds Echo and Blue. You can find more about the band on Facebook at Clouds Echo and Blue. If you would like your music featured on the Next Gen Banker podcast, just email david at nextgen-banker.com with a link to your music and website. Thanks for listening to the Next Gen Banker podcast. We'll see you next time.